With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Smells like football, baby. <laughs> What up, everybody? Welcome into the Fantasy Football Smackdown. If you're watching us live on YouTube, hopefully we're on YouTube right now. First time I've had to control this. Uh, you're listening on Monday, February 15th, Tuesday on the podcast. I'm your host, Kyle August. And with me now, as always, it's Jake. Rip your heart out. Jake, rip. What up? Kyle, that was nice. Keeping it fresh with the intro two times in a row. I love it, man. How you doing? Matt, doing pretty good. I got to compete with uh, the man of the hour, the man with the power. Our buddies over at the Dynasty War Zone. So uh, I'll, I'll be working on I'll I'll be working on some intros for you. Just let me know what you like best. All right. Beautiful. I love it. Speaking of the DWZ, if you missed last week's episode, it was the first episode of season two as we kicked off. Mentioned uh, obviously here again that Jake is my full time co host here on the SmackDown. Looking forward to working with him all year. And we're bringing the SmackDown to the DWZ Football Network with Memphis, Jerry, and the guys. We're going to be bringing you this show, the War Zone, every single week, and a variety of other great podcasts to get you covered for pretty much from top to bottom, to you know, from betting to to rookies and uh, DFS, Dynasty, and obviously here with a little redraft spin. But uh, man, it, it's this is fun. Being live is weird. I got to make sure like. Like Jerry always talks about, trying not to pick my nose too much and everything. But uh, I'm just trying to look fresh and like not nervous and <laughs> yeah. not mess with my hair too much. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure I will. Uh, I'll. I'll look, look back at this and find all sorts of weird stuff, but uh, that I keep doing and not noticing. But anyway, on today's show, we're going to be covering the coaching changes heading into 2021. Uh, the Warzone guys looked at this from a dynasty perspective last Wednesday. If you missed that. Uh, it was a great show, but and uh, well, we're going to be giving this a little bit of a different spin. We're going to be grading these head coaches, give, giving a little bit more insight on direct impact right away in 2021 and taking a look at a few offensive coordinators as well. But I got a special guest on the podcast. He is the godfather himself. Memphis, baby, he's arrived. What up, Memphis? What's happening, fellas? So glad to be back on the SmackDown. By the way, uh, that's some very aggressive intro music you guys have here <laughs> on the show. Uh, as uh, you, you hit me with the with the Stone Cold music, it reminded me of uh, good old JR's. Like business is about to pick up. You hear that SmackDown music, that guitar riff? I'm like, yeah, all right, we're gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna get something good here. By God, that man's got a Bugle. family. <laughs> Uh, we had to bring the, uh, the glass shattering back. It used to be your intro back on the fellows when I had all sorts of fun toys to play with. But as I, as I trimmed it back to just the, uh, the stone age smackdown last year, I didn't have any fun intros. So Jake hooked us up. Well, well, you know, every show's got a backbone to it. You know, you know, um, Jake's a very sturdy young man. He is prepared to carry you now that he is your permanent co-host. And uh, I'm very excited to, uh, I love this iteration of the show in all sincerity. You, you guys are great. The uh, chemistry and camaraderie between you guys is very genuine. 
and that presents well on the show. So excited for this new iteration of the SmackDown, loving it. Hey, appreciate it. We're just and, and by, uh, and by the way, out. I've already I've already got him a nickname. That's Jake Rip, man. That's the excellence of execution right there. He's laying it down. He lays it out so you guys can play it out. That's Jake. Wow. There we go, man. I'm going to sign off now, man. You don't need me here. You got yeah. Memphis. <laughs> I dig it. Well, Memphis, uh, before, we get, before we get started, uh, we have this nice little back and forth going because we'll be dropping this show Monday nights live going forward and then on the in the uh, in the podcast feed obviously you guys are listening to this on the fantasy football smackdown feed in your favorite podcast player make sure you head on over if you're not already for whatever reason subscribe to the dynasty warzone feed uh, but then the warzone is going to be following us every day on Wednesdays per usual never miss a week uh, so I mentioned you guys did the coaching changes last week you want to give a little commercial to that and, and what do you got going forward here coming up uh, tomorrow? Yeah, uh, we did. We had Dan Williamson of the GOAT cast on last week. We just talked about it from a dynasty standpoint. And some of these grades, I'm, I'm very uh, eager to talk to you guys about the the impacts on the season of 2021. But some of them we had to give a big fat incomplete because some of these, as excited as we are for some of the hires, without the free agency period and the rookie drafts, it, it's hard to get overexcited. I, I, I won't get too deep into it. But it's like New York from a dynasty standpoint. A lot of people are very excited about Denzel Mims, pretty good draft capital last year. But we still don't know who his quarterback is. Could be Sam Darnold. Could be Zach Wilson or Justin Fields. Do they use one of their other first on another, you know, really good wide receiver, another good wide receiver class? So uh, I like some things there. We'll dive deeper into that here shortly. But I had to give that one somewhat of an incomplete because I don't have all the information. But I can speculate. I'm really good at speculation. There we go. Yeah. On this show. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what we're all just striving for at this point, just speculation. So, um, And last note for me before we dive into these coaches, we got seven coaches to talk about. A good amount of turnover across the NFL and a lot of new names. Um, I want to challenge you guys, you SmackDown listeners out there, we're, we're now part of the, the DWZ football network. And they're they're uh, they're always looking for reviews. If you've ever reviewed the SmackDown on on uh, your podcast player, head on over to the Warzone. Make sure that you leave a review there as well. Let Memphis know that it was the right decision to greenlight this project here with Jake and myself. So uh, show show some love to the Warzone crew over there. If you uh, if you've never left a review, be sure to go do that. Uh, I think all that's we got enough niceties on here. Let's just roll right into this thing. Like I said, seven coaching changes, and we're gonna kick it off. Right here with the Atlanta Falcons, Jake's team hires Arthur Smith, formerly of the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Jake, I want your your just I don't want to add anything else. I literally just want your raw and unfiltered reaction to this hire for your team. Uh, you know, anyone I don't see now, I don't want to come in sounding like I'm trashing Dan Quinn because he seemed like he was a swell guy. But this was a firing that needed to happen now for a while. And it wasn't just because the team wasn't winning games. It was, it was like the, the fashion or the style that they were losing games. It was heartbreaking. Going back to the 28-3 Super Bowl loss, like that wasn't something new to Falcons fans. That was you know, reoccurring uh, with, with this team. But something needed to change, and I'm happy ultimately with Arthur Smith. You look back at what he did in Tennessee before he showed up. The team was 25th in offensive scoring in 2018. Then all of a sudden, Arthur Smith, offensive coordinator, along with a couple other moves. We'll get into that in a second. But now the team is 12th overall in scoring. In 2020, they're fourth overall in scoring. 
Did a lot of that have to do with Ryan Tannehill taking over for Marcus Mariota? I would say absolutely. Uh, nonetheless, though, I think, you know, Arthur Smith is, he was doing something right in that offense to be able to improve their scoring by just, or by 37% in just two years. Um, and, and at the end of the day, I don't know how different Matt Ryan is from Ryan Tannehill. The way I see it, they're both. You know, six four, that two twenty, two twenty five range, mid thirties quarterbacks. Uh, neither who I'd consider particularly mobile. Both above average arm talents, in my point of view. So I, I, I like Arthur Smith's chances uh, of being able to work with Matt Ryan. I don't see them moving in a direction with another quarterback. I think it's going to be the Matty Ice era, uh, at least for the next few years going forward. Yeah, you mentioned uh, just two years as the offensive coordinator in Tennessee. The guy kind of came out of nowhere. I remember when we did this show a few years back, and we were looking at OC changes, and we're like, "Okay, Arthur Smith replace you know comes in replaces uh, Matt Lafleur, and who is this guy? Right, he was a tight ends coach for uh, for a handful of seasons uh, there in Tennessee, pro- promoted from within, and then he just it was gangbusters, man. This offense definitely turned it around. It's going to be interesting to see as they brought their their uh, offensive coordinator by title is uh, Dave Ragone, who was here in Chicago, and he was only a quarterbacks coach, passing game coordinator uh, since 2016. Nagy actually kept him uh, on this staff, but he's never been an offensive coordinator before. But Arthur Smith's going to continue to call plays, uh, which is something we've seen some mixed results on even in recent years of these guys that are great play callers come in as the head coach. they got to wear a lot of hats, but they continue to roll with that uh, with the play calling duties. Memphis, before we uh, we we dive in a little further and give our grades, what what was your thoughts on this hiring by Arthur Smith, a name that kind of rose quick through the coaching ranks? Well, for me, it was it was my second favorite. I mean, this was a an offense that was in all sorts of disarray, and he came in and he was. I don't want to give anyone credit because the players play, but he was the one who really freed the beast that is Derrick Henry. I think it was Mike Malarkey, if I remember correctly, was the offense, was the head coach and had a lot of control on the team. And, and he wanted to give the ball to DeMarco Murray or Deion Lewis. And Arthur Smith was like, what in the blue hell are you doing? <laughs> yeah. And in and, and 2020, the Tennessee Titans were one of three teams to rush the ball more than they passed the ball. And, and that says a lot. And for a team that doesn't have a running back, is, is he going to continue to feature that run-heavy style? You know, I think that will come down to what they do in free agency and or the draft because I don't think Todd Gurley and his knees of glass are going to make it through that sort of a workload at this point. But, you know, they still had about 4,300 yards passing. So it's not like Matt Ryan's going to fall off the face of the earth. Uh, I, I think there'll still be a heavy dose of Calvin Ridley. Um, for, for redraft, I think you're fine to go back to Julio. I think Julio will probably be depressed. I was talking with Dan Williamson again at Overhyped Sleeper on Twitter. Dan is a very, very high stakes best ball player, like very high stakes. And he was telling me that Julio's going around that round four or five turn. Now, I get, I, I get that in, in Dynasty, maybe even later, because Julio's like 31. But for a guy who plays in a dome eight games a year, including a, a ninth game in New Orleans, plus a couple of uh, good weather games potentially in Tampa Bay and, and Carolina, I mean, you're looking at a guy who three-fourths of his games. And why does that matter? Well, in a seasonal league, ask Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns players how it mattered that three-week home game stretch where the winds averaged like 30 miles an hour a game and you couldn't you couldn't use what we call nowadays the forward pass. 
So I, I, I think this will be uh, good, good, good overall things for this entire offense. And we were talking before Kyle hit the record button, which it's nice to have someone else hit the record button. I'll, I'll be quite honest. Uh, I don't know who the running back is, but I'm interested. I don't care if it's a free agent. I don't care if it's one of these rookies coming out. Uh, I don't think they'll draft a rookie at four overall, but when they draft like essentially around the same place Detroit and Indianapolis took DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor, they could take one of the rookies in this class and that person will be high on my radar in any format of fantasy football. So I like the overall hire. If I had to give it like an old school, uh, like elementary school grading system, uh, I don't know, like like a solid B plus. I would have liked him to have like a little head coaching experience. I'm not a huge fan of the HC calling plays, but overall, I, I, it's solid. It's 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 one of the better wins in the uh, in the NFL this year. Uh, Jake, why don't you give your grade before I give my uh, final thoughts on this guy? I also had Arthur Smith as a B plus. Uh, Memphis hit it right on the nose, and I I like the fact that he is coming in with offensive coordinator experience or some sort of coordinator experience because that's not the case with uh, everyone that we're going to talk about the rest of this show. Yeah, last notes for me. Uh, he the the Falcons did land Dean Pease as their de- defensive coordinator. I think that is freaking studly. I mean, this is a defense that's been pretty poor over the last few years. This guy's resurrected teams uh, over his last couple stops. So I think that's a, a good win for the Falcons uh, for fantasy purposes. You know that defense being better it doesn't always you know isn't always what we want to hear because uh, you want the offense to keep rolling. But uh, what we saw from Arthur Smith in Tennessee, you got to hope that translates. Uh, my only real, uh, the only thing that kept me from giving this an A is just because, uh, you know, as far as instant um, returns, Matt Ryan has shown that sometimes it does take two years to really get moving in a system. And, uh, you know, so for in 2021 only, you know, we might not see his full potential. Uh, I think I'd feel better about this going forward without their sense, but I like the higher and just to round it all out. I gave it a B plus as well. So without us all knowing our own grades, <laughs> we all gave it the same one. <laughs> which is pretty spot on. So Arthur Smith, B plus, and uh, that's how we're going to start it. And we're going to roll into my favorite team to talk about because it usually means that Jerry is somewhere just reeling. Uh, and if you missed the war zone last week, uh, Jerry was spitting plenty of Detroit Lions fire. We're going to go with uh, Dan Campbell here in Detroit. And Jake, I think you got something for us. Yeah, uh, by now, most of the people listening have heard the introductory press conference that Dan Campbell laid out and kind of is infamous at this point, introductory press conference. But we're going to play that real quick and get uh, Memphis's thoughts on it. All right, and so this team's going to be built on, uh, we're going to kick you in the teeth, all right? And when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off, all right? And we're going to stand up. And then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down. We're going to kick you in the teeth. And when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down, we're going to take your other kneecap, bite a kneecap off, and we're going to stand up. And then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down. And on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap, bite a kneecap off. We're going to kick you in the teeth. And when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down, and we're going to get up. And then it's going to take three shots to get us down. And when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you. Before before long, we're going to be the last one standing. And that's what we've got on Dan Campbell so far. So uh, I guess I'll kick it over to you then, Memphis. What what are your uh, you know What do you get from that with Dan Campbell? You, you know, 
I don't I don't need a head coach that's going to win the press conference because he sure as hell did not win that press conference. You <laughs> got one, my but, vote. I don't know what you're talking I mean, about. It depends who you ask, I guess. Well, so so you guys know our friend Matty Big Chest. He's the graphics guy who does a lot of shirts for the Dynasty War Zone and Viridian Global. I was like, where's the where the hell is the Detroit Knee Biters T-shirt at? Why is that not available for me to purchase with my fine hard earned? hard-earned money but you know believe it or not and before I go any further you know we were talking about Arthur Smith just a minute ago and you know he's going to call plays you know the one thing I'm going to give guys like Dan Campbell who have never been a coordinator the advantage to me is is that you don't fall into those old old habits like a Matt Patricia like a Vic Fangio in Denver where hey you know what I got I got here because I was a really good defensive coordinator I'm going to jump in and help this struggling defense that's not how it works that's what killed Dan Campbell in Atlanta you know he eventually turned over the defense I like the fact that Dan Campbell was an interim head coach in Miami and had some learning opportunities I like that that he was the assistant head coach in New Orleans and sometimes rubbing up against greatness is not going to you know return greatness but this guy spent a lot of time with Sean Payton I like that he brought in Anthony Lynn Anthony Lynn not a great head coach but He's had some real successful offenses, you know, and, and, and yes, he is a very rah-rah guy with the bite kneecaps and stuff and, and, you know, taking out a tooth or whatever on the way up, but that plays in a young locker room and Detroit's going to have a very young locker room. They just brought in Jared Goff going into year five, I think, and they're going to have all these draft picks and they're going to have, you know, young players in a young locker room. Young players freshly out of college with college coaches that motivated that way could be motivated by this guy. So I like the fact that he brought in a former head coach to be his OC. I like the fact that he seems to be tough. And, you know, it was this time last year that we were all laughing at the Joe Judge hire in New York. And, you know, he hired a, a friend of Kyle's, the Clapper, to be his OC. It's, it's, good, it's good to have that experienced voice in the room. To help you out, so I don't hate this one as much as uh, as you guys. So I will hold my grade and I will throw it back to Kyle and uh, let let uh, Kyle break down yeah. Dan Campbell, the dude. I'm I mean he's a, a, by my count is that they've got at least seven or eight kneecaps uh, hanging on the wall there in Detroit already. Um, so I don't know how many how many, how many well, opponents they, they, can withstand they, they, that. In fairness, they don't have any division or championship banners on the wall, so they might yeah. as well hang a kneecap or something. There you go. There you go. Dude, I, I think this is interesting. You mentioned is uh, the interim head coach. It was actually for 12 games in Miami, which is a pretty decent uh, run for an interim head coach. Usually these guys are getting, you know, for a guy that was never even a head coach before. Usually if a head coach gets fired that early on in the season, the guy replacing him with somebody with prior experience, right? If it's the last two or three games – Usually they'll kind of give it to whatever coordinator, you know, maybe they uh, they want to punish the most uh, to make, do all the extra work. But uh, with Campbell, you know, like Memphis mentioned, he's been with uh, New Orleans for the last, uh, I believe it was five seasons here. Brings in Anthony Lynn. From a fantasy perspective, I, I really like this for, you know, DeAndre Swift, kind of a new regime coming in. They're, they, you know, they should notice right away the talent that we all saw last year. And it took the prior regime so long to um, – you know, to finally start utilizing. But as of right now, you know, in mid-February, other than Swift and our boy Hawkinson, we don't really know who else is going to be there as far as weapons go. I think Jared Goff is somebody that if this defense continues to be poor, uh, they brought on, uh, Campbell brought Aaron Glenn with him from New Orleans to be a first-time defensive coordinator. I think it's going to take a while for this defense to come around. So for 2021, whoever the pieces are, 
I'm going to, I think they're going to be underrated because people just like making fun of the Lions. I mean, it's fun. Why wouldn't you? Um, but I mean, other than Swift, I think they all should be pretty decent values and guys that you can probably rely on as, you know, some, some mid round uh, depth pieces and, and, and could turn into uh, starters just based off of volume and the fact that they're probably going to be chasing points. So uh, overall for fantasy, I, I, I think the combination of Anthony Lynn and Dan Campbell uh, bumped this up a little bit for me, but Jake, what was your thoughts on, on Detroit? Yeah, I thought more important than Dan Campbell was the hiring of Anthony Lynn. I did a little a uh, little bit of a deep dive on him, and I didn't realize that he came from a running back coach background and actually a pretty successful one. Uh, per Wikipedia here, you don't have to be a fantasy analyst to find this kind of stuff. From 2009 to 2013, with Lynn as the running back coach for the Jets, the Jets running game produced an NFL leading 137 yards per game. He took the same job in Buffalo in 2015, and the Bills led the NFL in rushing with 152 rush yards per game. Uh, they were 26 the year prior. Uh, I deem the combination of Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler a pretty successful running back tandem for the Chargers. So overall, like I think both of you said, this looks like nothing but good things for DeAndre Swift. Yeah, I, I think uh, Swift's going to be a hot name, and he already is in the dynasty community. He's going to be up there come redraft season. So uh, let's kick it around the horn for uh, some grades. Memphis, did you did you have a gr- did you have a grade for Mister Campbell? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it a B. Um, you know, and, and I do want to tag on the, the the Swift thing. If this guy has a brain cell four, if he just has four brain cells floating around in that 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 dome of his, if he saw how Sean Payton used. Uh, Alvin Kamara the last few years, and Anthony Lynn used Austin Eckler. If you do not give DeAndre Swift that role, you should be thrown in jail for criminal negligence. But I'm, I'm going to give this uh, overall higher based on the Aaron Glenn hiring and on the Anthony Lynn hiring. Uh, and I like the front office, so I'm going to give it the, the, the total thing a B. And I think for, right. for, for, for fantasy, it could be a B plus. Remember, guys, TJ Hawkins a tight end. Dan Campbell was a tight end. Could be big things for him too. So I I, I like it for uh, just about all around, including fantasy. Jake, how about you? I gave Dan Campbell a C, and admittedly, that was heavily influenced by the the rah rah introductory video. Uh, I don't know. I'm just not one for the dramatics. I want to hear the X's and O's with the coaches, but I don't play football. So, you know, like Memphis said, maybe the guys in the locker room react to this kind of thing, but. Um, I, I give him a C and if he doesn't do that video, it's a B minus. <laughs> yeah, I get, I'm kind of right, right in the middle with you guys. I give him a C plus. I think this is going to be, uh, for early, you know, early returns, it's going to be, uh, a positive for fantasy owners. Cause I think that defense is going to be pretty bad. Um, but we'll, we'll see how this one rolls out and it, you could always bet against Detroit. You come out on top more often than not, unfortunately. So let's move to Houston. Uh, this is a head coaching hire that kind of came out of nowhere uh, for a lot of people. You know, if you're following along to the carousel of head coaches, uh, Houston, who has just been an absolute mess pretty much for a year, they went ahead and hired longtime head coach. I believe he's already the second oldest head coach now in the league, uh, David Cully. Uh, he's, ne- he's never been a head coach before and he's getting his chance in Houston and hopefully he gets to coach Deshaun Watson. But Jake, what was your thoughts on Cully? And we don't have a lot to go off of, but uh, what do you have on him? Yeah, you said it. it's kind of tough to get a read on this guy. He comes from a wide receiver coach background dating all the way back to the early nineties. Uh, I think he was with Pittsburgh, someone else. I can't remember off the top of my head, but this is one of those signings where I just, it could, I couldn't grasp why this one wasn't um, Eric uh, BME. Uh mm-hmm. 
it, it, you know, it, this, like you said, this seemed like this signing just completely came out of left field. Uh, I'll do a little spoiler alert here. I had this signing at a C minus just because I feel like at the time there were still so many available coaching candidates that it could have been. Uh, but I, I think a lot of Cully's success and obviously a lot of his success is contingent on whether or not Watson remains in Houston. And if he doesn't remain in Houston, who's going to replace him? Uh, you know, if he stays, then that's best case scenario for everyone from David Cully to Will Fuller. And luckily for Cully, Bill, Bill O'Brien kind of set the bar pretty low in terms of team management. So, so long as David Cully doesn't come in and trade away DeAndre Hopkins caliber players, uh, I feel like he's going to be accepted by the, the fans and the uh, players in Houston with open arms. Memphis, what was your thoughts on this one? Well, the one thing, again, I, this was one of the ones on our show that I gave an incomplete grade. I'll go ahead and give it's incomplete because I, I can't really judge the hire. But I will say this. He did retain previous offensive coordinator Tim Kelly. And last year in this offense, Houston passed the ball the fourth most times in the league. 63.4% of their plays were pass plays. Deion, uh, Deshaun uh, Watson had a career year, uh, 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions. And I, I still am in the camp that he's coming back. If you're new GM Nick Casario, do you want it to be on your resume or probably one day your tombstone to be, this is the dumb son of a bitch that traded Deshaun Watson? You know, that, 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 that never ages well. I don't remember the guy's name. I could find, if you, if you, if you Google it, you could find it in a snap. Somewhere out there, there's the guy who drafted Sam Bowie over Michael Jordan. Those kind of th- that's a, that's a stink you can't get out of your resume if you make a move like that. So I'm kind of banking on Watson to come back. But I'll, I will say this, this guy's two most recent jobs. He worked with some pretty uh, talented head coaches. He worked with John Harbaugh. He worked with Andy Reid. You know, you, uh, Jake mentioned he spent some time with the Steelers. This guy has seen what coaching excellence is. He seems to be a very personable guy, uh, seems to be a good guy. And again, kind of like uh, Dan Campbell, he's never really had to call plays on one side of the ball. And he can really be that CEO type coach. Hopefully that, you know, he's able to bring that team together. Uh, overall, like I said, it's incomplete now. If he gets Watson, and some of the some of that bubbles down. I would give it a C as well, a C to C minus. I did not love it, um, but I don't think it's as bad on the surface as we pretend that it is. Yeah, before it was cool in the NFL that just they just hired whoever took a piss next to Sean McVay on a urinal. Uh, the cool thing to do was hire people that were around Andy Reid, and so I, I think from this, hopefully, this will give the Houston Texans some stability. You mentioned Memphis Tim Kelly being retained as the offensive coordinator. And Lovey Smith, who couldn't even keep a job at Illinois, is their defensive coordinator. So hopefully that defense continues to be horrible uh, and we continue to see Watson just ball out. And, you know, as a Texans, if you're a Texans fan, is this positive for an NFL perspective and your chances of getting back to the playoffs? It might take a little bit of time to to resurrect this team from the shambles that Bob left it in. Uh, but I think for fantasy, I like the fact they're retaining their OC and, and a little bit of continuity there as long as they can keep Watson. So I gave this higher a C based off of that. Uh, and I think this is going to be interesting storyline as uh, more and more comes out about this Texans organization. But uh, all of these guys so far, Arthur Smith, Dan Campbell, David Culley, no head coaching experience. Next team on the list here, we're going to go, we're going to stay in the AFC South. We're going to go a little bit further south to Jacksonville. And this was probably the biggest splash name hire uh, of this round of, of new coaches. And this is this guy actually does have some head coaching experience, but no experience in the NFL. Of course, it's Urban Meyer. 
I, I think intrigue is the factor is off the charts for me. I want to see how this goes. But Jake, what was your thoughts on on Meyer and how he's going to impact the Jags? Yeah, I think it's really easy to get excited about this signing. And admittedly, I, I'd never been a big college football guy my whole life. But you go looking at uh, Urban Meyer's career coaching record over 17 years, boasting a nice 187 wins and 32 losses. Those numbers <laughs> do not lie, my friend. Uh, but like you said, this is the only guy that we're talking about today who does come in with legitimate head coaching experience. The golden question every time you see one of these college, co- college coaches get into the NFL, uh, you wonder how will their scheme or how will their style of play translate uh, into the pros. And that's going to be a big unknown, especially until, you know, while we wait to see what Jacksonville does with this roster, there's going to be a ton of moves made between now and the start of the season. They have a ton of draft picks. Um, You know, do we know for sure who they're taking number one overall? (laughs) I would think so, but I, I, I haven't it, it, around this idea too much. And I know <laughs> Justin Fields and Urban Meyer were never at Ohio State together, but is it a possibility? Well, as a guy who uh, is a fan of the team to most recently have the generational quarterback that was a can't miss, along with another and ironically mobile quarterback, was uh, were the Colts taking Andrew Luck or Robert Griffin III. <laughs> it, it, it fills a lot of uh, retweets and, and, and uh, articles, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say uh, Trevor Lawrence has got that, that job. That's like one of those tombstone things I think Memphis was talking about earlier. You don't want to be the guy that passed on Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> Here's the guy who passed on Trevor Lawrence. Man, man, th- th- this hire is is extremely interesting to me. Is, is he going to be Jimmy Johnson? Kyle, you're you're familiar with Mr. Jimmy Johnson. Came over from the University of Miami and uh, absolutely brought an amazing culture with him. Or is he going to be Nick Saban with the Miami Dolphins? And or like the guy, uh, I forget he coached Atlanta and then he disappeared like a thief in the night. <laughs> yes. and, and, and I'm drawing a blank. I can see him in Arkansas wrecking his Bobby motorcycle. Petrino, right? B- Bobby Petrino. Thank you yeah. very much. And. So you can see with a neck brace. You know, yeah, is oh, that yeah. what you're talking about? Yes. And a visor. First of all, <laughs> yes. never trust a head coach who wears a visor. Write that down, all you kids at home. Uh, if they wear a visor, it's a strike one. But um, you know, but so, so Urban Meyer himself, he's a winner. He, the dude is a winner. That you know, the the Jaguars players again, very young, dealing with a collegiate coach. They're going to want to buy in. He has a lot of uh, sway. In the locker room, you know, he's already had his first misstep. He brought in the strength coach, formerly of Iowa, uh, Chris Doyle, and then had to fire him. I, I'm just not sure what this looks like. You know, is he a grinder? You know, like they talk about John Gruden getting to the office at 4 a.m. every morning and then leaving at 10 p.m. or not even leaving and sleeping on the couch. Is a guy with his medical conditions, you know, that, that pulled him out of the college ranks. Is he going to be able to, to work that, you know, that, that type of a lifestyle? I don't know. Maybe he's more of the, uh, the Bruce Arians. We're out at five. No risk it, no biscuit. Have a scotch. But I, I don't know. But I do like the fact that he brought in Daryl Bevel, of the, formerly of the Detroit Lions, as the offensive coordinator. Uh, I believe Daryl Bevel had a head coaching stint at one time. Maybe it was interim. I don't remember. But, again, he's a very uh, tenured NFL, you know, offensive coordinator. Matt Stafford, it was it was alleged that part of the reason why Matt Stafford wanted to leave Detroit is that they didn't retain the services of Daryl Bevel. So obviously very highly thought of. It, it's it's just going to be fascinating. And, you know, Jake mentioned it, tons of draft capital. I think they've got six picks inside the top 100, if I remember correctly. 
and there's going to be a revamp. So for a, uh, a like a redraft standpoint, some guys that like you know what's the to- the, the term you guys use a lot post hype sleeper. I think there's going to be a lot of post hype sleeper around a guy like DJ Chark. No offense to the mustache, no offense to Gardner Minshew, but there is a reason why you came into the league the way that you did, and there's a reason why Trevor Lawrence is coming into the league the way that he is. It's it's going to be a high tide raises all boats. So I could see this very very good for James Robinson, very good for DJ Chark, very good for LaVisca Chenault, and then we'll see what they do with those picks because I know that defense was a hot, wet, moist pile of trash. So... uh <laughs> Uh, we'll, we'll see what they do, but overall, I would give this higher. Um, I would I, initially I would have gave it like a B plus, A minus, but due to like some missteps and some things I've already seen that were like the, the health concerns and stuff, I'm going to give it a B. It's just a solid B. It's above average uh, with upside. It's a B with upside. How about that? We all love upside in fantasy football. Go. So Class. I wish I would have got more of those grades in school. This he, Kyle, he's he's a B student, but he's got some upside. Like, thanks. <laughs> Hey, uh, hey, well, well, hold on, hold on. If, if you'd have told your mom, you brought home your report card with some notes, it had a B, but it said Kyle has upside. upside. <laughs> what, what parent hates that? What, what parent hates a kid with upside? I mean, fantasy Twitter would have loved me. It, it, it's, 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 it's worse than Kyle is so much better than the B I put on this report card. Would have been even funnier with a bad grade. Like he comes home with a D, but he's got massive upside. Yeah, he's like, he's like the Josh Gordon of my class. Oh, I was going to say Corey Davis. He's the Corey Davis. So. He's, he's, he's woefully underproduced. He's capable of so much more. Yeah. It this hire is so in, is interesting to me just because out of all the guys we're we've talked about and we'll be and we're gonna get to here in a moment like the guy just has no NFL experience but he's like the biggest name of the entire group and we've seen coaches come in with Memphis mentioned a few you look back Chip Kelly set the world on fire and then be, before you know it the dude was not to be heard from again uh, you know obviously you have Pete Carroll up there in Seattle continues to get it done year after year but. Uh, you know, for, for me with Jacksonville and Meyer, I'm just a little unsure. I like Bevel being there. We saw him in Seattle before Detroit, and it was like he's only runs the ball, right? Then he got to Detroit and just completely changed the game, right? Went to his strengths. Um, you know, we saw Meyer obviously at Ohio State run the spread offense. Hopefully that they bring some excitement uh, for fantasy owners and offenses clicking to keep up with that horrible defense. But this is the one I'm just the most unsure of because – I always feel uneasy about these college coaches making a jump, especially one as mysterious as Urban Meyer. It feels like um, the guy's always got something else going on. So I give this a C minus um, just because I, I really, this is the one I'm probably most unsure of. Uh, Jake, why don't we, you wrap up this discussion. What was your grade on Meyer? Man, I gave the signing an A. And oh. <laughs> not even so much because of like who Urban Meyer is or what he brings to the Jaguars, mm-hmm. but I feel like, he's he's being put in a, a position where he's going to be able to succeed. Like if I was going to put money on, you know, Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence joining this team, name whoever you want. This is good for LaVisca Chenault. This is good for DJ Chark. You said it, this is good for James Robinson. Um, it's going to just naturally improve everyone around him. I'll be honest with you, and this could be a little hot takey. I think even if Doug Marone would have hung around for this year, Jacksonville might have been able to win five games. Uh, they're just at a spot right now where they were going to have a coaching change regardless. Urban Meyer's the guy, and uh, yeah, I think he's going to be set up for success. A nice job, Jacksonville. All right, here's hoping. I hope I hope you're right, Jake, because this is the one I'm going to be most. I'm most interested in that one for sure. But this this next one up, we're going to uh, L.A. We're going to the Chargers. Brandon Staley. Uh, he was a defensive coordinator for the Los Angeles Rams, so he's not even 
leaving town. He's sticking put, just changing his colors. Unfortunately, and unfortunately for him, he's changing his colors from that puke white, whatever that was, to the much flashier Chargers uniforms. And uh, this is a guy that unknowingly I might have given him bulletin board material last year because after uh, they the Rams got rid of old son of a bum uh, Wade Phillips, I've always just been like, hey, you know this Rams defense has just got two guys: it's Ramsey, Donald. That's it, right? And I was just all on the Jared Goff train. I'm like, they're going to have to throw because this defense is going to suck. Well, I was wrong. The defense was awesome, and he earned himself a head coaching gig after just one year as a defensive coordinator. Uh, spent the few previous seasons before that as linebackers coach in uh, Chicago and then Denver. But he brings on Joe Lombardi, uh, Jerry favorite, if you listen to last week's Dynasty Warzone, um, as the offensive coordinator. Lombardi was previously in New Orleans as a quarterback's coach for the last since 2016. So we got our first uh, real, you know, some of these guys weren't necessarily coordinators, but a lot of guys on the offensive side of the ball. We got our first defensive side of the ball head coach here in Brandon Staley. Jake, what was your uh, what was your thoughts on this hire by the Chargers? The Chargers being the newest team to jump on that trend, try to nail down the young coach you're going to have for the next decade. I just I don't understand that theory personally. I, I I feel like even those guys who carry that persona, like the Bill Belichick's, you know, and I don't want it sounds weird challenging this, but how great is Bill Belichick? If he didn't have the greatest coach or the greatest quarterback of all time for the past decade, how many Super Bowls does he win? You know, no one thought of him as this mastermind in Cleveland. I'm not going to dump on Bill Belichick through this whole thing, but uh, yeah, just 38 years old, one year of de- defensive coordinator experience under his belt. Uh, with the Rams, the Rams defense allowed the least amount of points in the league in 2020. I like everything he does from the defensive side of the ball, uh, but as far, from a fantasy perspective, I guess we have to look towards the offensive coordinator signing and Joe Lombardi. He's got a total of 14 years spent in New Orleans in 2014, hired as the offensive coordinator uh, for Detroit before getting fired after a one and six start. Uh, so not exactly a sexy resume coming into Los Angeles. But uh, I suppose what you're hoping for is that coming from New Orleans, like you mentioned before, Memphis, that maybe this is just that push for Austin Eckler to take on that Alvin Kamara role. Uh, and if we saw that happen, then then Alvin Kamara is the winner in that situation. Well, I, this right here, um, spoiler alert, this is my favorite hire of the offseason. So uh, not long after he got the job, he had an interview. And, you know, He was kind of doing the car wash where he was going on a lot of shows doing an interview. And I heard an interview with this guy, and I was just really, really impressed with the way that he talked about coaching and and leading, and I was just like, man, this is really good. Then I dug in. So the Rams defense under the son of the bum, Wade Phillips, they were 17th in overall defense in 2019. So then what happened? Well, the, the Rams lost some playmakers, man. They they lost Corey Littleton. Um, they initially lost Michael Brockers. They end up getting him back. Uh, they lost Dante Fowler, their edge rusher. They brought in um, Castoff from the Bears, uh, Floyd. And, and what this guy do? He turned this into the number one defense in football, like number one against the rush and number three against the pass. And to Kyle's point, he did it basically with uh, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, and then a term we use on the Dynasty Wars on a lot, crumb bums and shoe clerks. And, and he took this ragtag bunch of uh, of rookies and you know outcasts, and he made this a really good defense. They went into Seattle. And I know there was no 12th man in Seattle, and they beat Seattle in the playoffs, and pretty impressive. And 
you know, I think they gave uh, Green Bay a decent game for a while in, in the in the, the game in Lambeau. So I think he's a very smart guy. I think it's cool that he was a quarterback in college. Uh, I think the fact that um, he he just seems to have it. It's hard to quantify it because, you know, there's not like an impressive stat sheet like you have with the winning record of an, of an Urban Meyer or the offensive coordinator numbers of the, in the, the career resurrection of Ryan Tannehill off of uh, Arthur Smith. But this guy just feels like he has it. I am a little concerned about the Joe Lombardi hiring because he was horrible. He got replaced for a thing named Jim Bob Cooter in Detroit. <laughs> and uh, that does not set well with me. But, but you know, something that I do every day in my personal life, and I, I teach my son to do this, hey, what'd you do right, what'd you do wrong, and what would you do differently? You know, so hopefully Joe Lombardi's had that conversation with himself. And what did he do wrong in Detroit? What did he do right? And what will he do differently after spending time with Sean Payton? That's my hope. Now, most of the time that doesn't have it. These guys are a bunch of arrogant assholes, and they're just like, I got this shit all figured out. But we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll truly see what, uh, what what Joe Lombardi brings. But from a head coach standpoint, I, I think he'll stay out of the way of the offense. And uh, so for me, I'm uh, this is my, my, my best hire. This is an A. This is a solid A for me. I think it was an excellent hire. And no, Kyle, it has nothing to do with the fact that he stood next to Sean McVay at a, at a urinal. <laughs> I mean, he had to at some point, right? I mean, come on. Now. I, I mean, I mean, hopefully that they left like that one in the middle, like <laughs> yeah. proper bathroom uh, etiquette. I mean, uh, I mean, as a gentleman and would, and it was quiet <laughs> as a gentleman would. But the the, the rest is uh, up to me. But if you just uh, do like a quick Google search, uh, Brandon Staley interview, and you find it on YouTube or whatever, um, I think you'll come away impressed. <laughs> very, very sharp guy, very well put together, very well spoken, and uh, I'm very intrigued. Why do I feel like it's not as good of an interview as Dan Campbell, though? <laughs> no, 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 hold on. D- Dan Campbell was a soundbite. <laughs> this we're going to talk about a really bad, a really bad presser in a minute. We, d- 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 you think Dan Campbell's press conference was bad? This guy we're going to talk about here in a few minutes said, "Hold my beer." <laughs> well, I'll I'll get my grade on this one. Uh, I, I gave it a B. I, I'm with Memphis on you know. I'm just going to reiterate the Joel Lombardi thing has me a little bit concerned. But hopefully, you know, the time in New Orleans, you know, rubbing shoulders with the right guys, um, that translates. With every young quarterback you hate, you want to see continuity, um, which is really hard to find because either the guys, you know, they the good guys get taken, right, and scooped up by other teams. Uh, or these these teams that uh, get these young quarterbacks, they're picking early for a reason, right? And those regimes don't always stick around, and that's the case here. So I'm fingers crossed that we can continue to see uh, – the season that we saw, you know, last year or better from Justin Herbert, uh, a full season of ho- hopefully an aus- a healthy Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen, and we'll be sitting pretty in fantasy land. So uh, for this one, I, I think though it's a, it's a, I like the hire for the Chargers overall for fantasy. It's a little bit more of a wait and see, just because we're really reliant on this new offensive coordinator coming in and taking ca- taking the reins. So Jake, did you have a did you have a grade for this one? Yeah, I gave him a B plus. Like I said, with Urban Meyer, with him being put into a role where he's going to be able to succeed, you could say that 10 times over for Brandon Staley. Uh, Getting Justin Herbert and Mm -hmm. we're we're still sleeping on Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler. Something else he's got. He's got a really good GM. The GM who put this team together, Tom Telesco. Um, That's a tremendous benefit to a a young head coach. Like I don't think Dan – I think Dan Campbell's GM is new. But Tom Telesco is not only a good GM, he's a tenured GM. So 
he can just do his job of coaching up this team. So I, I think that's a little underrated uh, benefit as well. Yeah, Chargers are definitely headed in the right direction. A team that hopes they're heading in the right direction is the Jets because, my God, there's nowhere to go but up. But they hired Robert Sala from the San Francisco 49ers. He's been their defensive coordinator since 2017. And uh, he brought some friends with him uh, on the other side of the ball as well. So, Jake, I'll kick it to you to uh, to start this one off. But the, the Jets, they finally moved on from Adam Gase, and we have a new face here uh, in New York. Yeah, and, and like the Brandon Staley thing, it's it's kind of difficult for fantasy purposes to say, okay, now what's Robert Sala going to do with Denzel Mims and whoever plays quarterback there next season and whoever plays running back there next season? Um, but I like that he brought in Mike LaFleur as the offensive coordinator, the 49ers pass game coordinator last season. You know, all signs kind of indicate that he wants to implement a similar Kyle Shanahan type playing style. Uh, like what they were doing in San Francisco. Uh, but I think this is an awesome move, especially the offensive coordinator signing for a team that we assume, let's just say is taking a quarterback uh, with the second overall pick in the draft because uh, LaFleur, he was able to maximize production from below average quarterbacks like Jimmy Garoppolo and CJ Beathard and Nick Mullins. So you got to imagine that would bear well for Justin Fields entering the league as a rookie. Um, and as far as other players, I think could maybe get a bump from this. I mean, I guess everyone would, you know, being freed from the shackles of Adam Gase. But, you know, I think this might be, it could be what finally unlocks Chris Herndon. Uh, you know, oh. <laughs> listen, George Kittle with how involved he is. And I know, you know, Chris Herndon isn't George Kittle, but he is from like a height weight standpoint. They're the same kind of guys, both 6'4". Uh, Kittle 250, Herndon 253. So it would be very, very cool to see if Mike LaFleur can get a, a fire lit uh, under Chris Herndon. I, I've fallen down that quicksand trap too many times, but uh, here's hoping. I'm going Memphis, to time. <laughs> Memphis, what's your thoughts on the Jets and, and Salah? You know, when when uh, when Adam Gase knew he was getting fired, did, did he feel like the cello player on the deck of the Titanic? <laughs> Just uh, going to put that thing away and take this one down with the, the ship. You know, I, I'm impressed that we have two LaFleurs. I'm waiting for Peter LaFleur to get a job in, in the NFL. We got, we got Mike. We got Matt. I'm waiting for Peter to get his turn. No, I, I'm with you. I, I, I like the hire overall. Um, this was another one that I give it incomplete. If I had to, I would probably give it a solid B+. I know this is the head coach that Deshaun Watson expressed interest in and having – uh, there in Houston, uh, I, I love the hire, and we've not. I don't think we've really seen the Shanahan offense fully unlocked with a with a more mobile quarterback. And I know there's a lot of mock drafts out there. Um, the two most recent I've seen have been Todd McShay and Dane Brugler. They both have the Jets taking Zach Wilson. That would be okay. He's got an amazing arm, but I would be fascinated to see Justin Fields in this offense with Denzel Mims. Maybe they add like a Rashad Bateman, um, Chris Herndon. You know what? And, and maybe, and maybe just maybe, George Kittle would be Chris Herndon if he had to spend the first few years of his career with Adam Gase. <laughs> yep. You know, it's a, it's like yeah. that. Like it's like the, it's it's the, it's the reverse Kyle Shanahan effect. Kyle Shanahan takes everybody to the moon, and and, and we're gonna find out very quickly uh, here in New York. But overall, uh, great hire again. Uh, a raw, raw coach. You see him on the sidelines in San Francisco, you know, screaming and yelling. And, uh, 
you know, going to have a young, a very young offense in particular. And I'm very excited to see what they do with this team. This will be the team for redraft, which is the specialty here at the SmackDown. This will be the team that a lot of your fellow GMs in, in your redraft league will be sleeping on this team. I will tell you this, whatever running back winds up here, now they have a lot of cap room. I believe they have the most and the Colts have the second most. In this Shanahan running game, think about if they brought in Aaron Jones, who's already been running this offense basically from Green Bay. Think about if they brought in a guy like Marlon Mack, who's a free agent in Indy, more than likely not going to sign with Hines and Jonathan Taylor under contract. Maybe they draft a Travis Etienne or a Chuba Hubbard or one of these college guys. Whoever they get they're not going to get as much love as like say the the guy who goes to Atlanta we already talked about that or the guy that might go to Seattle or Pittsburgh but someone's going to wind up here and they're going to put fantasy goodness in your lineup in this Shanahan style offense with the brother number two last name of LaFleur so I like the hire I like the staff uh I I, I have not seen the entire staff I, I hope he also brought in like a tenured head coach just to kind of help him steer the ship, you know, because his tendency, I, I hope not, will be to, you know, lean defense. And uh, But we'll see because at least Arthur Smith brought in Dean Pease. But overall, good hire. A solid B-plus in, in Robert Sala. I'll throw it back to you, Kyle. Yeah, I gave this one a B-plus too. You guys nailed it. I, I love the fact of LaFleur coming in. He doesn't, you now he's worked with Shanahan and we, if you, you know, you followed Shanahan. He doesn't give up. He calls plays, right? So how much has he let these guys in on it? But we've we've seen um, other Shanahan, uh, you know, coaching tree guys do well. And I think with LaFleur coming in, he's been with Shanahan all the way back to 2014 with Cleveland. He followed him to Atlanta, followed him to San Francisco. And now he's getting a shot in Mike LaFleur. So I think this is going to be somewhere Memphis nailed it. Like I, I love uh, the running back landing spot for somebody here because it's not just like, Ah, damn, like Le'Veon Bell just uh, – like it was anybody that filled that role sucked, you know, so like – and that offense was just horrible. So like I think anyone that lands there initially is going to get, you know, a little bit of a, a drop in value from what the perception is out there. But I think that that just is what fancy owners and people like you guys listening to the show can take advantage of, right? So I really like that. You know, right now there's a lot of things up in the air for the other playmakers on this team. Uh, Mims is somebody I really like. Um, I still think his value is, uh, you know, attainable right now in, in, in dynasty leagues and somebody that I'll be looking to target as we get a little bit more information. But as of right now, like he's a guy that I'm sitting there like, Hey, if that guy is there in round, you know, nine or 10, even like, I think I might take a shot on him and just to, just to see, because we didn't really get to see a whole lot of him last year, uh, being injured and everything. So I gave this one a B plus, uh, Jake, as we put a bow on this, what was, what was your grade for, for Salah? Man, I gave him an A. Am I the only one giving out A's today? I guess, I guess so. I'm Jake, we didn't, we didn't. We, we hooked the show. up Staley. I gave Staley an A. So Did you? Two, at, least, at least two. Yeah, that was my, that was my one A. I'm a very I, tough I, I, I thought I'm that was tough. a B plus. Uh, no, 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 no. Staley was an A. So, not even an A minus. Solid A. The fact, oh, yeah, the fact yeah. that they're going from Adam Gase to one of the most highly coveted coaches in the league. Uh, I'll give him an A. Good job, Jets. Uh, I mean, here's man, the uh, thing: you, you never want to be the guy to follow the guy. Like, you don't want to be the guy who one day follows Howard Stern. You don't want to be the guy who one day follows Bill Belichick. You want to follow a guy who absolutely sucks because no matter how much you suck, it's not possible for you to suck as much as the previous guy sucked. So Robert Sollett has at least got that. And much like the uh, the Tom Telesco, I know uh, Joe Douglas is a young GM. 
but I like what he's doing there with the draft picks and the, and the things that they're starting to build. This is a, a very interesting team. Well, and if anything, if established anything else, we know that Jake would make a fine uh, PE or home ec teacher because they're just handing out A's left and right. So uh, pad that GPA, baby. Um, <laughs> last but not least, uh, the other man that set the world ablaze with his introductory press conference, uh, Nick Sirianni of the Eagles. A little bit of surprise that uh, Doug Peterson was already let go after just, what, three years removed from a Super Bowl championship. But uh, Memphis, I'm actually going to kick this one to you first because uh, Sirianni was most recent with your boy Frank Wright in Indianapolis um, has, as his offensive coordinator. So uh, what's your thoughts on Sirianni? What, what, would, what did you hear with your ear to the ground there in Indy? Well, initially when uh, I saw the hire, I was like, okay, this is solid, you know, because you've got a hundred and some odd million dollar investment in Carson Wentz plus the draft picks they gave up to, to get to that pick. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. So, so you can't get Frank right next best. Okay. Nick Sirianni. Yeah. Okay. Nick. Okay. Completely makes sense. Nick Sirianni. We're trying to protect our investment. We got to, you know, we got to fix this. Can't get Frank. We'll get Nick. Okay, cool. And then we put Carson Wentz on the trading block and I'm like, I'm gonna give you an F minus. Can I, can, can, can I give an F minus? But I, I really do think he is a, a smart guy. Um, I don't know how much he's actually called plays outside of his time with the Chargers. He, uh, he was the offensive coordinator in title alone because Frank Reich called the plays. But I, I think he'll be fine. He also brought over his offensive coordinator, which is Sean or Shane Steichen, who was most recently with the Chargers last year. I think this one right here, I'm going to give it incomplete as well. Um, don't let the press conference fool you. This is a really smart guy. Um, we've all been nervous, right? You know, if I'm talking to my boss, I can talk to my boss all day long. I can talk to anybody. But when I'm talking to my boss's boss or my or the owner of the company, even me, who's someone who's uh, very verbose, we will get a little, uh, I'll, I'll get a little dry mouth. I'll get a little nervous. And I, that could have been what that is. He, he wasn't ready to talk about biting kneecaps. But I think overall, um, it, it really comes down to what they can do with this roster. Um, don't blame Nick Sirianni and don't blame Justin Fields or whoever the quarterback winds up being. I've seen mock drafts with them taking a QB at six with the sixth overall pick. D don't blame it on him. You know, he was brought in to coach Carson Wentz. At least I would think so. And now Carson Wentz is going to be gone. So he's coming in, you know, you, you get hired, you're like, cool. You're, you know, you tell your wife, hey, we're moving to Philadelphia. Hey, that's going to be great. Yeah. You know, we're buying a house where we're working with Carson. Frank talks so highly of him. And you walk in and you're like, hey, we're trading Carson Wentz. <laughs> and you spent like the last, you know, 10 days of your life, you know, thinking about all the conversations you've had with Frank Reich about how we're going to, you know, revamp Carson Wentz. And you're like, cool. <laughs> all right. So, so this one right here is going to get an incomplete until I see how they get through free agency, what they do with Carson Wentz, what they do in the draft. But overall, from like a talent standpoint, I believe Nick Sirianni is an intelligent guy. I believe he's a talented guy. So I'm going to slap this one with an incomplete slash I uh, TBD. All right. There we go. Jake, how about you, man? Uh, this is another one. I think it's going to be kind of difficult to predict what kind of offensive tendencies Sirianni might have in Philadelphia. You look back at his three years as the Colts OC. He had Andrew Luck in 2018. Then he gets Jacoby Brissett in 2019. Then he gets Phillip Rivers in 2020. So he's going to go from running these three different off or these three offenses with three, you know, rather immobile quarterbacks to an offense where 
I mean, I think it's going to be Jalen Hurts next season. We're throwing around Carson Wentz, and uh, you know, maybe they end up drafting a guy in the first round. But you know, I was relatively impressed with what I saw from Jalen Hurts. Maybe not so much with the passing, but he's very, uh, very equipped on the ground. The dude can move. I like Jalen Hurts, and you know, I, I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be the guy going forward with Nick Sirianni and the Eagles. Yeah, I think from a fancy perspective, uh, Jake uh, let me in on a on the Kiami code, whatever quarterback last week. <laughs> co- co- uh, oh my god! Oh my god! Konami, like the video game manufacturer. No, yeah, the I know. Konami code. Okay, all right. It's funnier if I just what's, what's just it's not worth my time to learn. <laughs> Konami. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, so if if Hertz is the QB, the rushing is obviously going to put him in a space where he could potentially be a top twelve quarterback. Um, despite maybe even being inept uh, as a passer, time will tell. Uh, a lot still up in the air with this quarterback situation, which means it's tough to really evaluate these other fantasy assets. Um, so we will, we will see. I think it's going to be interesting. We'll find out how much Frank Reich let him in on this. Like Memphis said, he was kind of the OC in title um, only. So we'll, And now he's a head coach. He's getting the job. You mentioned Shane Steichen. Uh, he was with the Chargers. He actually worked with Sirianni because uh, Sirianni was in L.A. before moving to Indy with Frank Reich. So uh, time will tell on this one. I gave it – I guess I should have probably just given this incomplete. When I needed to put it incomplete, I just gave him a C. So we will, we'll see how that one pans out. But I think that spot, almost as much as any other of what we talked about so far, we're really unsure of what that situation is going to be like as far as who's going to be leading that team at the quarterback position. So. Memphis, did you do you think that Wentz was under the impression, or I'm sorry, that Sirianni rather was under the impression that Wentz was going to be starting, or that he'd be the quarterback, that he'd be coaching? I would like to think that he was smart enough to at least had some indication of what he was doing. It's it's just like uh, with with Robert Sala, he had to have had some idea of what they're going to do with that 102 and Sam Darnold. If you don't. Uh, I like. I think David Cully was brought in as a as an olive branch, and and I think uh, Tim Kelly was re, you know retained as an olive branch in an effort to keep Deshaun Watson in house. Yeah, I think. I mean, I, I think Dan Campbell was based on the contract. Dan Campbell got a six year deal, and I think Dan Campbell got a six year deal because he knew Matt Stafford was on the way out, and he was going to need time. You know, you, you know, we, we mentioned the Titanic earlier. You're not going to turn that thing around and like like a speedboat. It's going to take a much longer time to turn the sinking ship around. So uh, he got a six year deal. So yeah, I think these guys would have to have had at least a little inside information. But I, I that that's the one I find so weird, so yeah. weird because I feel like the, if if you're going to go Jalen Hurts, and I don't know, um, we saw Justin Herbert played really really well with that Shane Steichen offense. And if the, and, and again, I, I'm not going to sit here and a lot of people on Twitter will convince you they're experts. I mean, these are people who can't roll a proper burrito, but they'll tell you what NFL GM should be doing. And, and uh, you, you know, I'll be curious to see what they do with six overall. If they go with Jamar Chase, then we're clearly going to be rolling full speed ahead into 2021 with Jalen Hurts. But if Justin Fields is there or Trey Lance is there, well, you know what? Maybe you draft a develop. Not, I don't say he's really developmental, but I don't think he's ready day one like like Trey Lance. You draft Trey Lance, you let Justin Hurts do his thing, and then when he inevitably does his thing, you you can make some decisions. If he kills it, cool. 
Trey Lance will not have lost any value. He's not Jordan Love. There's a difference. But if if Jalen Hurts struggles and you're, you know, three and eight, give him give him five games. See what happens. So um, it's interesting, man. I would love to be able to sit in on some of these conversations and, and, and know what these interviews sound like. Because that's the big thing. You mentioned Eric Bieniemy earlier. You know, it's like, why is Eric Bieniemy not getting a job? Guys, here's the thing. There's a reason why he did not get a job this cycle or last cycle, even though he wants a job. We don't know what it is. And we can pretend that it's, it's this or, or that or the next thing. But I, I live by a certain, a certain rule. If, if, if you run into an asshole in the morning, you ran into an asshole. If you ran into assholes all day long, maybe you're the asshole. So I'm, I'm, maybe he's not qualified. He interviewed with seven teams, and seven teams did not offer him a job. He interviewed with a bunch of teams last year. Those teams didn't offer him a job. Let me ask you a question about Eric Bieniemy real quick, and I don't want to make your show go too long. Where was his big play adjustment in the back end of the Super Bowl as they were getting their ass handed to him? Where, where was the Bieniemy magic? Because it was fully on display. It was, it was his opportunity. Andy Reid struggling with you know the issues with his son and the offense is struggling. Eric Bieniemy could have said, hey, I'm the leader. Hey, I got this, man. We're going to change the offense. They didn't. They, they, they in no way attacked that, that too high safety look that, that Tampa Bay gave them and dared them to run the ball. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that one game should be a hiring decision, but there's something more there. And so I, I, I'm sure at some point it will come out, and I'm sure at some point he'll get a job. Someone will take a chance on him, but um, we'll never know because we're never going to be allowed in those interviewing processes. So I'm fascinated with this stuff. Life advice from Memphis. That's just one of the many reasons we had to bring him on for this show. And and one of the many reasons as well, you should always be tuning in to the Dynasty Warzone every single Wednesday. Uh, as we put a bow on this uh, kind of final thoughts here, there were some offensive coordinator move uh, changes this offseason. We're not going to dive into all of those. Uh, but Jake, were there any that jumped out to you, either big positives, any, any things that you're kind of weary of that fantasy owners should uh, take note of? this time of the year yeah you know i'm getting the vibe now that you wanted me to go for a couple of offensive coordinators that weren't part of what we uh already discussed (laughs) either way it's fine (laughs) but the offensive coordinators the the offense coordinators that i liked a lot were mike lafleur and Mm -hmm. anthony lynn i think that those two are going to be big roles for their uh respective offenses and it's going to mean big things for fantasy yeah, and uh, I totally agree. I think those were definitely positive hires, especially for their, you know, be paired with those head coaches. Uh, I'll leave you guys with this. A few few names of note. Chan Gailey retired from Miami. I was, and they haven't really, they have two, they have co-offensive coordinators. Uh, it's kind of like if. You know, if you have two, you don't have one. Exactly. Damn right, Memphis. They took it words right out of my mouth. And that's not good. I, I think Gailey really showed a lot last year, kind of as surprisingly coming out of retirement. Then he leaves uh, before you even realize he was back in the NFL. So that's one that I'm concerned with. Um, the other one is in Tennessee. Uh, anytime you have an offensive head coach and he loses his OC, I, I just kind of like, okay, well, this guy can help pick up the slack, kind of bring this guy on. But when you have a defensive head coach and you lose your OC and you bring on Todd Downing, who was last in OC in Oakland in 2017, that was that was following Derek Carr having 60 total touchdowns uh, over two seasons in 2015 and 2016. Downing comes in, Derek Carr throws 22 touchdown passes, everybody gets fired, and John Gruden is Tell me he wrecked the car. Just just tell me he (laughs) wrecked the car. He wrecked it. He wrecked it, Memphis. So I'm I'm worried about that. I'm worried about that situation uh, in Tennessee as well. Um, The 
the couple that I'll give you guys that are positives. Um, Kubiak retired from Minnesota, but they just they kept his uh, the younger Kubes in house, so I think they're going to be fine. They're just going to keep everything kind of status quo there. Um, but everywhere else, you know, when you look at San Francisco, Indy, um, they just promoted from within, and they already have their real offensive coordinator as their head coach, so not too bad there. But uh, keep an eye on Tennessee, man. I'm a little bit worried about that situation with the Titans. So, uh, all right, that closes it out. Uh, Memphis, why don't you just let the people know where they can find you and what you guys have on deck on the, uh, on the war zone. Yeah, man. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DWZ Memphis. And if you don't deal with socials, you can check me out. You can just email me dynasty at gmail.com. I don't know. I podcast like every single stinking day. <laughs> we j- we just, we, we had been doing a thing called mock draft Mondays, but it, it kind of got stale. So we're now doing a show called The Rookie Rundown, and this is where we're going to have a lot of guests. We had Shane Hallam of Fake Pigskin on Sunday night on YouTube and Monday in podcast with us. And then next week we have Andrew Erickson of Pro Football Focus, as well as some other guests booked. That's really going to be the guest show uh, tomorrow night on the Dynasty Warzone. Jerry and I are going to talk about our all-2021 sweethearts team. So coming off Valentine's Day on Sunday... It's a show we've done the last couple of years. We're going to give you, you know, seven players each of of guys that we're in love with. And then the following week, we're going to be doing our breakup team. Who are we breaking up with in 2021? So we got some cool stuff. And then by that point, we'll be rolling into free agency, man. But we're just excited to be hanging out with you. Um, Gives me a cheap excuse to come on this show a lot. Have you come hang out with us a lot and uh, just raise hell like we did tonight. Yeah, damn right, man. Appreciate it. you guys. Got to check out the wars on tomorrow night. And uh, Jake, uh, why don't you remind people where they can follow you? And uh, are you up to are you up to any writing these days? Any of that stuff? Look, I'm gonna get to it. Get off, get off back with this writing thing, Kyle. You in Memphis? I swear, man. Uh, at Jake takes FF on Twitter, and you will find my written work at ballblastfootball.com. Maybe one day, eventually. Yeah, yeah a few months out. Someday, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Month Eight. Uh, make sure to subscribe over at the Dynasty Warzone feed. We're going to keep this podcast on the SmackDown feed for a few more weeks, but don't delay. Go subscribe to the Warzone feed right now to get all those great shows that Memphis talked about. We're going to be back here next week. Jake and I are going to be taking a look at some Dynasty startup rankings and uh, debating some of those guys, as this is the time of year when you start getting that itch and start adding leagues because that's future use problem to get set waivers for 40 for 40 rosters so and sometimes that it sometimes that it just crap <laughs> <laughs> nothing else to say you guys take it easy stay safe catch you next week